All right, Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation 11, we've been studying truths from the book of Revelation, and we've been kind of taking a truth each Wednesday, uh, from, or each week, rather, from um, a different chapter, and not really a verse-by-verse teaching, but we might actually get more than one in Revelation 11. We may have a two-parter on that. But anyway, when you get in Revelation 11, we'll begin in verse number 1. It says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which was without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And when you start dealing with that, you're dealing with the time of the tribulation period. Notice in verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, these are two witnesses God sends, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. That beast is another name for the Antichrist. And so that's who that is. And that's what he's called in the Bible because of how crude and how awful he is. The Bible calls him a beast. And several times in the book of Revelation, I forget how many, I've got it written down somewhere, But what I'm interested in is these first two verses because what you're reading there is a temple. And you're reading about a temple there, and it calls it the temple of God and the altar in verse 1. Now what's interesting is there's no temple in Jerusalem right now. But according to that, there will be. And so there's another temple coming, and you can mark that down. And when you think about that, you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, in the Bible, if you start going through your Bible, you'll find there's been at least two temples in Scripture. As a matter of fact, before there was ever even a temple, there was something they called a tabernacle. Remember that? And a tabernacle or is just a place where you meet with God. And it's where God dwells. It's the dwelling place of God is what it is. And in the Old Testament, God did dwell on our, when he's on earth in the tabernacle. Now in the New Testament, he still dwells in the tabernacle. But the difference is the tabernacle now is your body. And so when you get saved, the Spirit of God resides in you. And the Bible calls this the tabernacle. So we're to be careful with what we do with our bodies because they belong to God. They don't even belong to us anymore. And so in the, in the Old Testament days, when they met with God, they had to go to a place. We come here and we call this, you know, when people drive by, they'll say, well, there's that church and, and that sounds good. And, and we're, we all say that because it represents the church. There's no doubt about it. But really, it's not the church. It's a meeting place for the church. If you didn't have any people, there could just be a building is all it would be. And so you've got, to have, you've got to have people to be a church, and the church is always the people. It's not the building. But we understand when, when we say, well, there's that church. Well, we're, we know what we're talking about. We're not really saying that that building is the church. We're saying that's where they meet, and we, we understand that. We're not critiquing people for saying that because we all say it, and we, we, all, uh, uh, we know what people mean by it when they're saying it. And so that's not a problem. But in the Old Testament... The very first tabernacle they had, and they got it located and put in a spot, was in a place called Shiloh. It wasn't even in Jerusalem. And they had a tabernacle over there. Do you got a picture of that one? That's kind of what it might have looked like. That's an artist's depiction. And, um, I think they had a drone back then, and they took that as they was flying over. And so, anyway, that's drone footage from thousands of years ago. And they had that back there, and, and they had a, and basically, it's a tent. That's all it was. It was animal skin over the top of some stuff. And so it wasn't even a brick and mortar structure. It was animal skin. It wasn't rock. It was animal skin. 
and that place is in Shiloh, and when we went to Israel, we, they, we went over there to Shiloh, and they've actually found the location. It was there for 369 years. And when you read the book of Judges, and 1 Samuel, and some of those places, you'll see, you'll read about the tabernacle, and you'll read about Shiloh over there. And so that's where it was located, and all that stuff. And even today, uh, when we was over there, they found the exact spot where it's at. Do you got a picture of that open spot? There it is. And they've laid it, they've been laying it out where it's at over there in Shiloh. And it's very beautiful. And, and they got all the measurements and they found rocks that would have been around it. And I mean, everything was the right measurements. And we got to walk through that thing. And we probably walked right in the Holy of Holies, you know, where they had that back then. I think I got a picture of the rocks that mark it too that they found. So we got that, yeah, right there. And so I remember when, we, when I was in college, we took fine arts visual. Anybody ever take that? She had the same teacher I had, didn't you, Mr. Long? He took it over there. And anyway, he, was a really, he knew what he was doing. He was really good. And he was probably in his 60s. And he had all these pictures of him in these different places. And he was on top of the pyramids in Egypt. And he had all these paintings where he'd been to the British Museum and the Louvre and all these. He'd, he'd traveled the world. And he was in all these pictures, but he was 40 years younger in almost every one of them. And people would say, who's that dork in the pictures up there? He went, uh, that's me. <laughs> they knew who it was, but anyway. So I'm the dork in the picture. So <laughs> Anyway, but that wasn't 40 years ago. <laughs> but anyway, that's a neat that those rocks are there. And, you know, they excavated that area, and they found big um, um, pottery um, vessels from the time of Judges. And they've got a museum there, and we went in there, and there's those big pottery vessels, pots. I mean, they're huge. They're that big around, that tall. And they're from the time of Judges. They've dated that back. And it, everything validates the Bible. You get over there in Israel, it all validates the Bible. You start digging somewhere, and you're digging up something about the Bible. The whole land is archaeological uh, facts and places that you can find. And so it, it's pretty, pretty interesting how it is. And so anyway, it was there. And then later they moved to the temple. They got the first temple built, rather, and that was in Jerusalem. And it was called Solomon's Temple. And Solomon's Temple was very beautiful. It's extravagant. Solomon was the richest man in the world. And they say by today's standards, that'd be a good picture of it right there. By today's standards, Solomon would have been a trillionaire. Trillionaire with a T, not a B. T, trillionaire. We always say, well, we're a thousand heirs certain times of the month. And this time we're a hundred heirs. <laughs> but anyway, depends on if we paid the bills yet or not, you know. But um, anyway, <laughs> it just depends on what time of month it is. But Solomon was a trillionaire, and he had all these great things. He built that thing, and man, it was beautiful. And they had all the pieces in there, all the things in there, and the Holy of Holies, and the Holy Place, and the outer court there, and all that stuff. And that was on the Temple Mount, and he won't, I'm not going to have him show this yet. But um, that's where the Dome of the Rock and all that would be today. That's where that was located. And then in about, oh, 500 and something B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came in. And Nebuchadnezzar came in. I might have the date here. Let's see. Might be on this one. Um, I usually know those dates. That had been 583 B.C. He came in and he destroyed all of it. He burned up Jerusalem and took their king out of there and took some of the choice people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some of them were in that bunch, took them and hauled them off to Babylon, burned the city and destroyed that temple. Well, if you remember, 
in the, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament, and you start reading the Minor Prophets, they got ready to rebuild it, and they sent them back. And Nebuchadnezzar and them was rebuilding the wall, and then they had others building a temple. And they built that temple, and then they continued with that temple when a guy named Herod came in. They call that the second temple. What's the picture? You got one of that? So there's a replica of that. And that looks like, I may, not, may or may not be, it looks like over there they've got a museum. And they've got, on top of that museum, you go out there on top, and they've got this big replica of all of Jerusalem, the way it would have been that time. It's pretty magnificent. Really. I mean, it's, it's really something. And so what you see there is you see the temple, and then out front you see the court and all that. So when you get reading in Revelation 11, he says, measure the temple of God in verse 1. Then in verse 2, he says, but the court which is without the temple, leave out. He said, don't measure it. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city, Jerusalem, shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And so he said, don't measure that part. They've desecrated that, and it's bad. But what that tells us is this. There's got to be a third temple. And so sometime, I don't know when it'll be, but there will be a third temple built. And it's pretty amazing because over there in um, Israel, they're trying to get it built right now. There's different people pushing for it. Last year in September, uh, Yair Lapid, Lapid, L-A-P-I-D, and he was, he's part of their hierarchy there in Israel, he called for a two-state solution uh, to be presented to the United Nations General Assembly, and he wanted to get all that back going. But anyway, he had a bunch of opposition, and most of them was against it because they don't want a two-state solution. They're against that because that means the Palestinians get to keep their part. And then there's another problem right there, is right now the Mosque of Omar and the Dome of the Rock sit on that thing. And so there's your Dome of the Rock. And if you go to Israel, you're going to see that. Anytime on the news, if they show Israel, they show that. That's 14 karat gold up there. And when they, the Lord tears that down, I'll take the gold if he doesn't, nobody's claiming it. But it's coming down. You can mark that down. And, but anyway, there it is. That's the Temple Mount. And you got to be careful. You go up there, women have to be dressed a certain way. People have to be, men too, you got to be quiet. You've got to be respectful because the so-called Palestinians are running that thing, and it's their holy place. It's their third holiest site behind Mecca and other places. That's their third holiest site that they have. And, and what they did is they think they conquered the Jews is what they've done and the Temple Mount and all that. And so they've got all that stuff up there. But a lot of them, and even back in the 90s, they were calling for a two-state solution. They said, let's give Israel half of Jerusalem and let's give the Palestinians half. The problem is there's no such thing as a Palestinian. That word came up in 1967, the first time in history. And the first guy to be called a Palestinian and use the word was Yasser Arafat. He was the ugliest man on earth until he died. Now it's Caitlyn Jenner. But anyway, <laughs> it changes over time, you know. <laughs> He's the ugliest man on earth now. But anyway, you got, so you've got, so he was, he died, but he made up that word. Yasser Arafat was from Egypt. He wasn't even from the Holy Land. He was from Egypt, and he moved over there, and he called himself a Palestinian, like, like he's from there, Palestine, you know. And so they start making that stuff up is what they do. And anyway, they're wanting a two-state solution. They said, let's let the Jews have part of it, and let's let these Muslims have part of it, and they can coexist together. 
Now, that doesn't work very well, usually. But anyway, that's, that's what they're saying over there. And something else that's interesting. There's something called the Temple Institute. And I've told you about this before. And they've got everything in place. And they're ready for this temple to be rebuilt in a moment's notice. And over there, they've got um, a brazen altar. We toured the thing. They said, no cameras, whatever. Whatever you do, no pictures. Well, somebody... Somebody took a picture. And so anyway, notice those little points at the top? Those are called the horns. If you ever read in your Bible and it talks about the four horns on the altar, that's what those are. And they dip them in blood and you'll see some blood on those. They got that thing ready to start sacrificing animals. They're ready to do it again. Then they've got a menorah. A menorah is a great big candle and it's in 14 karat gold and there's the nerd in the picture again so, with that menorah. But man, that is high dollar. I'm talking about that. I, I wanted to stand next to it so people could see how large it is. That thing is huge. No telling how heavy it is. That's right outside. It's the only thing they have outside, but that will go in the temple. And it's 14 karat gold. Uh, they're going to have the high priest garments. They're looking for the high priest, the Messiah to come and a high priest. The one on the right if you'll notice in the blue, he's got a little square thing right there. That's called the ephod. Anytime you read that in the Bible, the ephod, it's that little pouch right there in the chest. Like Superman would have right there. Well, we got somebody better than Superman coming back that's the high priest. And it'll be the Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth is, they're looking for a high priest. They're looking for the Messiah. They don't even think he came the first time. And so they're still looking for him to come back. They missed the whole thing when he came the first time. And then they killed him. And after all that, God got done with them, and he turned to us. And boy, I'm glad he did. We ought to be thankful for that. They've got a table of showbread. They've got all of it. They've got everything in that place ready to open up the temple except the Ark of the Covenant. And they say that they have that underneath the wall of the, where the temple was. Uh, the mount there. I mean, that wall is still there. We went underneath it, and um, we toured that thing you remember that, Brother Fred, and we went up under that thing? And it's almost claustrophobic, and we come out in the Muslim quarter when we came out. But anyway, they had that big wall there, and Brother Philip, that thing weighed tons and tons, which makes the rocks that they brought in to build that, which you wonder, how in the world did they move that that many thousands of years ago? Because they didn't have heavy equipment. You know? <laughs> they didn't have any of that. But they had these right here, and God let them build stuff. And, man, they figured out stuff, and they learned how to put stuff on logs and let it roll and, you know, and pull stuff. And they had teams of mules and bunches of them, I guess. And, boy, it was something else. What they had. But they say that they've got that Ark of the Covenant hidden under there, the Ark of the Test, you know, and all that stuff. But I don't believe any of that because Revelation 19, 19 tells you it's in heaven. There's a guy named Ron White, I believe was his name, White, W-Y-A-T-T, and he claimed about 20 years ago or something, he said that he went over there to Israel and went to where Calvary is, and he dug around under the mountain at Calvary, and he found it, and he's got all this stuff. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he's really a heretic, but he went way out there, and boy, he said all that stuff. Well, uh, when Brother Stalker, one of the times he was over there, the British, they run the Calvary area and the garden tomb that's all together. I mean, when you go... They give the tour, and they're in charge of that little area. They've got it. And he asked them about Ron White, and he goes, oh, he said he was here for one day, and we ran him off. He said he didn't find nothing. That's all a big hoax, which we already knew they didn't find anything because the Bible tells you where the ark is. 
but still it makes for great YouTube, you know, and great books and stuff like that and make a lot of money off of it, I guess. Um, so anyway, everybody, the Muslims claim to have it, the Masonic Lodge claims to have it, but God's one that's got it. But you can mark this down, they'll be trying to build another one, and they'll put another one in there, because there will be another temple, according to Revelation chapter 11. Now, something else uh, that I found interesting is also the sacrifices are going to have to be reinstalled. Did you know that they haven't had sacrifices in Israel for over 2,000 years now? been over with you say well how come well number one they don't need any sacrifices in israel the messiah came the passover lamb came and when he died on the cross there was no need for any more sacrifices he was the sacrifice but the truth is they don't believe that he was who he said he was so they've been going all these years centuries without sacrifices there are a few um rebels up there in um close to Shechem. You read about Shechem in Genesis. You read about it in some of these books in the Old Testament. And over there in Shechem, I think that's where Dinah got in trouble over there. And in Shechem, you got Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, two mountains. And there's a valley that runs in, front, in the middle of them. When we was over there, we got close enough to see them. We couldn't go into Shechem because your life might have been in danger. And there had big signs outside of if you're a Jew, and we had one with us, if you're a Jew, do not enter this city because you may die. I mean, they'll kill them. Muslims can go in Jewish cities and nobody hurts them. You can tell which side's the aggressor and which side's not. And so anyway, we went around it, but we saw those mountains, and the Bible talks about them. And what they did in the Bible days, they went up on that Mount Gerizim, and they gave blessings over there. And then the Mount Ebal, which was across from it, and they would see each other. It was like somebody in the balcony here and somebody in the balcony there yelling back, and they were yelling cursings. And so back and forth. Well, in that Mount um, uh, Gerizim, right now, there's some, what I call them, kind of like bootleggers. They're not supposed to be doing it, but there's people up there making sacrifices. And so there they are, and probably some of those uh, Gennesarets. You saw those pictures in the Valentine thing of those people with the black hats? That's religious pictures. That's the religious, they hate them over there. Because those people won't serve in the military. There's all kinds of problems. But, you know, those are religious crowds, what that is. And they're everywhere over there. And they wear black all the time and this different stuff. And anyway, it's pretty wild. Well, anyway, they think they know more than everybody else. You know, it's kind of kind of like some people down here. So <laughs> over here in America. But there they are. And um, they're making some sacrifices. But as far as on the Temple Mount, there hadn't been any. And so they want to get the sacrifice reinstalled. Now that, you say, well, this is a lot of stuff you're just talking about. What in the world, where are you going with all this, okay? There's going to be somebody that's going to have to install those sacrifices. Somebody's got to make the deal. That's what they got. The deal's got to be made. You know who it's going to be? Who do you think it'll be? Are y'all awake? That snow get on your brains or something? I don't know. Who do you think it would be? Who's going to make the deal to get this done? Antichrist, thank you. That's all I want. No, I, maybe you thought I was asking a trick question. I wasn't. In real life, I wouldn't do that. So that's right. The Antichrist, that's exactly right. How many of you knew that? Raise your hand. Okay, you just wasn't speaking up. You knew it. Okay, I thought you did. I felt like you knew it. If not, we've got a long way to start over because I've been here twenty, almost 22 years. And um, boy. <laughs> so anyway, the Antichrist, that's exactly right. 
And also, they're looking for a red heifer. They can go up to Congress and find one of them. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so they're looking for this red heifer up there. Now, hey, look at this guy right here. They're trying to find them. And so they found these red heifers in Texas, and they've sent them to Jerusalem because they think they found the right one. He's inspecting the thing. That's a magnifying glass. And take your Bible and go back to um, Numbers. Numbers chapter 19. Ooh. Numbers 19. And it talks about a red heifer. Look at this, Numbers 19, verse 2. Verse 1, might as well start in 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. Man, he's got that magnifying glass, and he's looking for any spot. He's looking for a white hair. He's making sure that it's completely red everywhere and it's just right. And boy, they've been looking for all these decades and they think they found some. And they've sent them over there to Israel for them to examine them. And maybe they can get this thing rolling and get these sacrifices back going. But there's a problem. Look in Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. For at the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes, they were to burn that heifer back there until they killed it, you sacrifice it and burn it. And the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. It's a physical sanctification. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. You can take a magnifying glass to him and you won't find a spot on him either. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You know what that tells me? We don't need a red heifer. We don't need any kind of sacrifice. We have Christ. That's the end of sacrifices. And so they're looking for a heifer when they don't even need a heifer. All they need is Christ. They get Christ, they've got all they need. Now, they're looking for that because they will reinstall the sacrifices. They've been dying to get them reinstalled. I mean, anything they can do to get them reinstalled. And there'll be somebody that helps them with that. And I told you, and, and, and um, we had a nice lady over here that knew who it was, is the Antichrist. Look in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel's an end times prophecy book. Probably teach it next semester in the Bible Institute. Daniel chapter 9. Probably be two, two courses more likely. It's got a lot in it. Daniel chapter 9. All right, Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter number 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, thy people's Israel, and upon thy holy city. That city is Jerusalem. And he goes down through here and tells all these things. And then he talks about somebody coming and making a covenant with those people. And it's in the end times. You start putting these dates together or these different weeks that they have. And you'll see, you can put all that together. We haven't got time to go through all that tonight. But it would show you it's end times. Look at verse 27. 
and he, this is the prince that's in this passage, and he's the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. One week. You say, what's one week? It's seven days. And in the context of these weeks, these weeks represent day, seven days, and each day represents a year. Seven years. And I don't got time to show you all the references why we know that, but anyway, you just have to take my word for it and read it tonight, but you'll be getting it maybe next week or two, some more on that. But right now, you see that it'll be one week or seven years. The tribulation's going to last for seven years. That's how long it's going to last. Some people say, well, the first three and a half years took place when Christ was on earth. And we say, baloney. That wasn't the tribulation. That was Christ's earthly ministry. But there's good people that teach that. But the truth is, it hadn't even started. Because when that happens, what's going to take place is they're going to reinstall the sacrifices. The sacrifice has not been re reinstalled in thousands of years. It's been over with. The temple's been destroyed. Somebody's got to build the temple back. Because in Revelation chapter number 11, there's going to be a temple. You can mark it down, there will be a temple. And boy, is it coming. And it's going to be something. And it's going to be the Antichrist temple. I mean, the Jews are going to build it. They're going to call it the temple of God. But it's the Antichrist that's going to broker the deal. And then you know what's going to happen? He's going to allow them to do all those sacrifices. And they're going to say, oh, we get to have our sacrifices. We can practice Judaism. We can practice the law in Israel for the first time in thousands of years. And they'll be so happy. And then halfway in the tribulation, right in the middle, he's going to stop it. Look in Daniel 9, 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation, that's sacrifice, to cease. Pretty plain, there'll be sacrifices going on because he's going to stop them halfway through. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's talking about the temple. And they're going to go into that holy of holies, and that's what we call the abomination of desolation. I've got time to get into that just yet. I'll show you another scripture. Daniel chapter 8, since we're in Daniel. Daniel chapter 8, verse 11. Here he is again. Verse 11. Daniel 8, 11. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. This is the Antichrist magnifying himself to Christ. Even to him. And by him, the Antichrist, the daily sacrifice was taken away. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. They say, do you really think they'll have sacrifices? It says they're going to have them. He's going to be taking them away. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice. He'll have an army. It's the United Nations. He'll be over them by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto the, that certain saint which spake, how long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression, that's a sin, of desolation, destroying something. You, de you desolate something is destroyed. To give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. When you say that trodden underfoot, that sounds like Revelation 11 too, where the Gentiles will trod it underfoot, it talks about. One more place, Daniel chapter 11. Daniel 11. Daniel eleven thirty one, 31. 
and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary, that's in the temple, of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate. Again, we said, all right, I said one more time. How about one more time? <laughs> Daniel 11, or Daniel 12, 11. Daniel 12, 11. This will be the last time. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred ninety days. That's, that's uh, three years and six months. The last half of the tribulation will be three and a half years, then they'll have a month of getting things ready for the millennium. All right? You say, well, what's going to happen? There's going to be an abomination of desolation. You say, what's that? All right, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Start working our way back to Revelation now. Matthew 24. You say, you really think this will be the Antichrist? Sure it will be. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 15. It talks about the gospel of the kingdom. That's not our gospel. That's the tribulation gospel. The word gospel means good news. Verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. You know where the holy place is? It's located in the temple. It's going to be standing in the temple, this abomination. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Well, you know when this is going to happen, it's going to be in the great tribulation time. And it's going to be something set up over there. All right, Revelation 13. You say, what is it? It's an image. That's what it is. It's an image. Revelation chapter 13. And Revelation 13 is the whole chapter is about the Antichrist. We'll get to it soon on Wednesday nights. But it's not just the Antichrist. It's also the false prophet. It's the satanic trinity. You've got the devil, type of God the Father. You've got the Antichrist, the son of perdition, a type of the son of God. And the false prophet, the religious leader, a type of the Holy Spirit. Revelation 13. Revelation 13, 13. Here's that false prophet. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, the beast of the Antichrist, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and calls that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. That sounds like Daniel chapter 3. Did you ever read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and King Nebuchadnezzar? And boy, he put a great big image up, and he said, when I play this um, wild music, he said, you fall down and worship that image. And if you don't fall down and worship the image, you're going to die. Well, you know what's going to happen if people don't worship that image in the tribulation period? They're going to die. But they're not thrown into a fiery furnace. They get their heads cut off. Now, if you're saved, don't even be worried or don't be nervous because we're out of here before this happens. I'll just give you a little encouragement tonight. <laughs> but we're going to be gone. But if you're not saved, a good idea would be to get saved. <laughs> be a good idea right there. Now, let's turn one more place. Second Thessalonians, back to your left, chapter 2. 
And what you'll see is that temple that we're reading about. And we'll read where the Antichrist is actually sitting in the temple. And you know what he's going to be doing when he gets in that temple? He's going to be showing people that he's God. But he's not God. But boy, people are going to believe him. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. That day is the day of Christ in verse 2. Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, and watch this closely, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And people are going to believe that he's him. Those Jews are waiting for the Messiah. They don't think he ever came. And this man's going to show up and they'll say, it's him. And he's going to sit in that temple showing people he's God. They're going to set an image up in the holy place. And when they set that image up, people's going to have to worship that image or die. They're going to have to take a mark called the mark of the beast and worship the image, worship the Antichrist, and worship the devil. And if they don't take it, they'll die. They'll have a choice to make. Take it or die. That's going to be something else, ain't it? And if you don't take it, you can't buy or sell. They're going to track you down and get you. It'll be bad. All right, Revelation 11 one more time. Revelation 11. Awful. It won't be a card. It'll be a mark in your forehead or your right hand. Revelation 11, 1. And there was given me a reed likened to a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which was without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. You say, what happened there? It's the abomination of desolation. And that image is going to be set up. It's going to be bad. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. That's three and a half years. The last three and a half years of the tribulation, when he cuts off the sacrifices, and no longer does he bring peace, it's going to be ugly during that time. And boy, it'll be bad. I mean, really bad. And there'll be people wanting to die and can't die. It'll be, I mean, it's, it's going to be rough what's going on during that time. This has never been a time like it. It'll be awful. Completely terrible. But... If you're saved, just be looking for the Lord. He'll be coming back for too long. But if you ever see him making, start making sacrifices over there, it's this thing's coming to a close. And I don't know if that'll start right before the tribulation and the rapture or right after it. Right after it, he may appear and say, I've got the plan. Let me handle this. I can bring peace. Don't worry about those people that's gone. We didn't need them anyway. They didn't vote right. They didn't act right. They went to church. They were religious people. We don't need those kind of people. You got all the religion you need right here. And he'll pretend to be God and all that before it's over. But what a mess that is. Did I miss any slides? I got them all. Okay. Couldn't remember what I sent. That's all rapid stuff. <laughs> any questions or comments?